Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of Wellness with Liz Earl. Now, as Christmas approaches, I am so delighted to be joined in my studios today by an old friend of mine, the renowned wine writer and professional taster, Matthew Jukes. Now, Matthew has been writing about wine internationally for over two decades, and in that time has penned an impressive 14 books on the topic. You may recognise his distinctively dulcet tones from radio and television. He's previously held a regular radio slot for the BBC and was later scouted by Channel 4 for their popular Wine Hunt series. Now, alongside his publishing and broadcasting career, Matthew is also the founder of Duke's Cordialities, which caters for those who want to maintain their high standards of taste when not actually drinking alcohol. Matthew was inspired to develop his delicious adult cordials after realising he'd never tried a non-alcoholic drink he'd found genuinely satisfying. Now, I have sampled these delicious cordialities. In fact, I was one of the first and can confirm that they are indeed genuinely satisfying. So here to share his extraordinary passion for wine, as well as tips for picking a show-stopping Christmas sherbet or two. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, Liz. It's so nice to be here because we have talked about wine and non-alcoholic beverages off and on for so many years. I think I first met you at a wine tasting. You did, yeah. You came to one of my dinners. I yeah. remember it well. Yeah, which was really good. And I was just so struck by your knowledge and your passion and just your sort of bon viveur sense of fun that you bring to everything. So let's just go right back to the beginning. How did you start? What was your wine journey? Oh, golly. Um, my mum was a cookery teacher mm. when I was little. Um, and my dad was a sort of, you know, businessman as such. And we never went out to restaurants when to entertain friends, business clients, whatever. Mum always cooked at home. Um, and it was rather, rather lovely. She'd yeah. make an extraordinary dinner for these big wigs. Um, Dad would um, order what he thought was decent wine, and mm -hmm. I would be the wine waiter. Oh, would you? So from the age of sort of seven, I remember, That's you so know, great. in my dressing gown yeah. before I went to bed, pouring a few <laughs> bottles. But I was obsessed with labels, mm. and I, I would read the label and then look it up in the old atlas, right. find out where in the world it came from. So I was doing a little bit of Boy Scout work on the labels way yeah. back then. Can you get a badge for wine tasting? In the Do you Boy know what? Scouts, I didn't probably. try. I was, I was in the Belgian Lufto. 
So, which is the Boy Scouts in Belgium. So, is that where you were? Is that yeah, I was in Belgium at the oh, time, okay. um, and I think they probably do have uh, a wine tasting. <laughs> probably over there. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so that's how it started. And then, as I progressed through my life, I just always sort of keep an eye on bottles of wine. Mm. Was allowed to drink wine yeah. occasionally with with um, with dinner. Uh, and when I went to university to study physics, I realised very quickly it wasn't for me. Mm. no surprise there <laughs> um and so our mum was by then teaching um at Prudy's cookery school in kensington in london Prue Leith, she's going to be a guest next year on the podcast there you are um and um she invited me along to uh an after kind of dinner after after work pre-dinner mm. um lecture on food and wine matching and I thought, wow, I'm up for that. She gave me a free ticket. Yeah, I'm a starving student and I'm up Great. for a drink, yep. as all students are. Yep. Um, and so I rocked up, um, loved it, and walked up to the lecturer at the end of the lecture and just said, look, you know, I kind of knew all of that. Is that a bit strange for a 19-year-old chap? Mm. And he said, it's very odd. You ought to be in the wine business. Mm. So way back then, yeah. um, I went to work in a wine shop, quite a famous wine shop at the time in Barnes in southwest London. Mm-hmm. Um, called the Barnes Wine Shop, and I never looked back. That was 33 right. years ago. And you've got a particular passion, I know, for Australia. You're an ambassador, aren't you, for Australian wines? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I write four big reports a year. So three of them are quite classic, Bordeaux, Burgundy, Piemonte in northern Italy, mm. um, and then a new world one, which is Australia. And I, I've championed Australia because I've always felt, literally since day one, that the wines are extremely professionally made, mm-hmm. delicious, there's a huge diversity. Just think of the size of Australia for a start. Right. But also there's a will to win. There's a desire to improve every year. It's a very Australian trait. And so the wines are continually improving. And they're, they're, they're super world class these days. But add that um, value element to it as well. Mm. They're extraordinary value for money. Yeah. You can taste a wine blind and, and think, you know, gosh, that's a sort of £30 flavour. Right. And then figure out it's a sort of eleven ninety nine Aussie wine. Right. That just doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. Yeah. So I like to highlight that to, yeah. to my readers. It's interesting, you know, talking about cost. I, I had an amazing trip to Burgundy last year because mm. I, I, I love Burgundy. I'm not, not keen on Bordeaux. I'm not keen on Cabernet Sauvignon mm-hmm. grape. Mm. I prefer Pinot Noir. And, you know, the contrast between the vastness of Australia mm. And the minuteness of Burgundy, yeah, no, it's you know, where literally you might own two rows of yeah. vines yeah, yeah. and be producing, you know, your your whole yearly amount for that family or that bottler. That's, it's that's and, true. and so different that, that Burgundy. I don't know how many different types of soil they have just in that one little area. Well, it's mainly limestone, but it's one hill. Right. It's one long hill. It's it's kind of crazy. Mm. It's just a, a hillside called the Cote d'Or, the Golden Hillside, and effectively all the vineyards are down this hillside. And then there's a little bit up north in Chablis, a little bit down south in, in the Mackinac. But it's it's one hillside. And if you think about um, the size and scale of vineyards in Chile or Argentina and some in Australia and some yeah. in the south of France, in fact, yeah. and Spain, you know, huge vineyards. Um, Burgundy is a very different proposition. However, if you think that the Burgundian grapes, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, are also made in somewhere like Mornington Peninsula Where's in that? Australia. Okay. So it's south of Melbourne on a mm. spit of land that sticks out into the Southern Ocean. Mm. So it's cold on both sides. It's actually a really European climate. Oh, there. interesting. Yeah. Really fascinating. There are tiny vineyards there and they like Burgundy vineyards. Really? Okay, They're so cause I love Burgundy, but it is eye-wateringly expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. So what could I be buying instead? 
that would give okay. me that lovely sort of French yeah, Burgundian yeah. So flavour. There's there's not an awful lot out there. Right. To, okay. the, no, no, <laughs> That's no. Bad news. At, no, no. At the top level, I'm right. only talking because regardless yeah, no, no, of whether not I necessarily top because no, no, no. Top level flavour. Oh, okay. You see, mm. I'm very fussy. Every wine I write up has to be delicious. Yeah. The price doesn't come into it. Yeah. It's got to be delicious first. Right. And then the price, you look at the price, you go, hmm, is there value there? And then I carry out. There are no rules in my writing at all about price. I don't I don't really consider it as a as yeah. a crucial factor until I've got past the flavour. So with Pinot, Pinot's the mo- Pinot Noir is the most complicated grape to get right in the world. Really? And so Burgundy is its home. Right. That's where we hang out. Yep. When you go abroad, obviously there are fabulous wines from California. They tend to be a little bit richer, a bit juicier. Is that because of all the sunshine? Sunshine. It's, heavy, and, and cool nights, cool nights. Right. Okay. Um, because of the, the sort of the, the mists rolling in from the ocean in, in Sonoma and, and, the, and the like. But they're expensive. They're a little bit juicier, mm. a little bit fruitier. And you know, perhaps not as sophisticated. This is a gross generalisation, sure, of course. Sure. But then you get down to Australia. You find other cool climate regions, a little bit finer. New Zealand, there's a lot of Pinot Noir in New Zealand. Mm. A little bit fruit forward, but still quite sophisticated. Um, small pockets in Italy, mm. only in cooler regions. Germany's doing awfully well in the south of Germany, yeah. which is sort of on the same lines as Burgundy, if you think of the map. Okay, so if you look on the map of the world, oh, coming yeah. back to your Boy Scout oh, Atlas, where yeah, they're being grown. Sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so Germany's doing well. Um, we're doing well in the UK. But mm. tiny production. Is that down in sort of Sussex and places? Yeah, like uh, basically South Coast. Um, there are some mm. s- some smart examples, but it's a small and niche hobby following Pinot very closely. So, for example, in one of my Christmas columns um, in the Mail, um, I found a seven pound twenty five Pinot Noir. Sounds good. Sounds good. Made by a Burgundian producer, yeah. but drawing their fruit from the south of France. Interesting. So the, co- so the cost yeah, yeah. of the grapes is lower. Right. So you get a bit of Burgundy stardust, mm. but the fruit cost is is, is, is is lower in the first place. So if you can yeah. get it's the bottle at a reasonable price. Is it Burgundian flavoured? It's certainly Burgundian perfumed. Mm-hmm. The flavour is a little bit more rustic. But if you're a Pinot freak and you want yeah. to spend less than a tenner, yes. thanks a lot. Great, and I so that's look out for that. <laughs> that, but that's what I do. I, I, yeah. I, I take, I taste about forty thousand bottles of wine a year, in order to find the best wine. So I'm going to have to ask you, how is your liver? Uh, epic. Is it? Do yeah. you know that for sure? Yeah, my liver function test is perfect. Do you have it done regularly? Regularly. <laughs> However, um, my wife will attest to this. I could probably lose a few pounds. Well. I think we could possibly all say that. It's not always banned to drinking. And I imagine that you pace it, and I know that we'll come on to talk about yeah. cordialities and non-alcoholic yeah, yeah. things as well. But I want to stick with wine for now, yeah. because actually in the current issue of Lizelle Wellbeing magazine, I looked at pockets uh, around the world called the Blue Zones, uh-huh. which have been uh, identified as areas where they have an exceptional number of people living over 100 plus years. And one of the common factors, there are seven commonalities to these areas, and one of them is drinking wine. Hurrah. Hurrah. Now, not not (laughs) any old wine, but they tend to drink, I think, what they call natural wine. They're Mm. kind of brewing it in a bucket, Mm -hmm. basically, Mm -hmm. in their back garden. So it's maybe not going through all the clearing process. Yeah. And, and the, the wine is quite cloudy when I was mm, in Sardinia mm. and, and Greece. So it's not going through the sciencey stuff. No, it, it's just sort of yeah. fermented grape juice yeah. in, in a bucket. Yeah. 
But there are a number of health benefits, aren't there, from wine? You must have come yeah, across this. I mean, Resveratrol, is it? Resveratrol, Resveratrol, yeah. Look, yeah, it, which it, is the antioxidant. Yeah, it's a really um, strange subject. Everything in life is cyclical, as you know. Fashions come and fashions go. And wine, the way to make wine is just to crush grapes, let them go, let them ferment, and then bottle the juice. That's wine, okay? Mm. Um, and that's how it's always been done. The introduction of, of technology has done um, wine a few favours and a few disservices. When you start to use um, million-pound spinning cones and reverse osmosis machines and, and all sorts of weird science, why are you doing that? It's taking yeah? away the alchemy of, of the winemaker. It's taking away the postcode of the vineyard where it came from. <laughs> it just tastes like generic, gloopy wine. Right. So what I like is I like wine that has um, a sense of place. Mm. and therefore going back to your point about these villages where people live for a long time you know they're taking fruit from their their effectively their um back gardens let's yeah say. literally sometimes and what they're doing is that they're, they're not using any science because they haven't got science they're showing it in a bucket well they might be putting it into a, a stone trough mm. they might be in the old days like you know when you're foot treading grapes whatever in portugal they might be putting it into a concrete vat that's been there forever you know, glass lined maybe, or just polished and cleaned out. Letting it go, um, straining it. You don't want too much chunky nonsense in there. Um, but what comes off is wine. If it's cloudy, it's just because it hasn't been overly filtered. Right. You're going to have more flavour in that, of course. Yes. Um, you do have a pr propensity for the wine to spoil if you're not careful. Well, you've got the balance of bacteria, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. Of course, you've got the beneficial bacteria. That's right. Which is why I think it can be protective for our microbiome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also potentially that the nasty bugs get in yeah. there so to you, spoil so it. So you, you, you walk that tight, tight rope there. Right. But these are wines that are made to drink young. Yes. Sometimes so they're just months old. Sometimes they're months old yeah. and they're never more than... A year old, right? Because the next harvest comes in, of course. Yeah. And so, for that reason, you can make wine in that sort of slightly dangerous way. Mm. When you're having to make wine in a, in a more commercial um, uh, sense, then you have to protect the wine a little bit and make sure it doesn't obviously hurt the person who's going to drink it. And in in many cases, obviously, wine matures for mm. for decades, so you've got to make sure that it has the ability to do that. And so, the more natural a wine, sometimes the less of an opportunity it has to age for a long time, certainly these homemade wines. Yeah. But that doesn't mean to say that these non-intervention style of wines can't run for ages and ages mm. if they're very carefully handled. It's about fruit. Mm. It's about fruit handling. You can't make great food without great ingredients. Yes. You can't make great wine without great ingredients. It's about being really gentle, really clean everywhere, yeah. Yeah. really sensitive, picking on the right day when the acid levels... Acid is so important. So what's Fruit the acid. role of, oh. of acid then? So because you, you've got to pick the grapes when they're completely ripe. Is that so? Mm, no? Not really. No. Okay. No. 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 Um, if they taste almost like table grapes, you've gone too far. Right. Um, you need you need punchy tart acid in both red and white. It's a it's a complete fallacy that tannin in red wines is the battery pack for a red wine. It's actually acid, mm. same as white wines. So the tannin comes from the grape skins? It comes from the skins, and it's obviously a complex agent. It's a flavour agent. Yeah. It also is, um, the skins help with colour as well, mm. and power. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so that's what that's why red wine is red. It comes from the, the, comes Do from the skins. they come from different grapes, red and white wine? Sorry to ask a really basic question. No, no, no. Question. Listen, you can, make, you can make white wine from red grapes just by crushing the, the grape and chucking the skins away. 
the juice in the middle of a red grape is white. Is the same. And, 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 right. and the, the way to prove that, the way to think about that and go, oh, yes, it's obvious, is because champagne is generally made from two-thirds red grapes and one-third, really? so Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier, they're both red. Crush them, okay. chuck the skins out of the way, white in the middle, that's why it's white. Right, so you leave the skins in to make, to make it red, red To make it red, yeah. Mm. Now, along with that, you get a lot of flavour as well. But unless the acid balance, when you pick that grape off the vine, is right, it's never going to stand a chance of ageing. Mm. And acid is the, is the crunch, it's the freshness, it's the vitality in a wine. You notice it on the finish. So when you swallow a wine, and then you go, ah, oh. <laughs> that's that activity okay. on the back palate that's yeah. keeping you on your toes. It's refreshing. It's the it's the it's the verve in the wine, and that's what allows it to move forwards. Mm. What makes a wine more alcoholic? Because when you look at the labels, I'm quite yeah. keen on drinking lower alcohol yeah, wine. Yeah, I'm definitely. not into these really heavyweights. I can't cope with them, to be honest. Again, this is the, the heavy wines came up in the sort of late seventies, eighties, nineties, because people learnt that hanging the grapes on the vine for longer attracted more sunshine more photosynthesis, more sugar in the grape, and sugar mm. turns to alcohol. Simple. Right. So the, the higher the sugar levels in the grape, the higher the alcohol the wine. So, so if you're th- looking for a low sugar, low alcohol wine, then you've got the two together. Well, you want a cool, you, yeah, you want a cool climate, wine that's picked nice and early when the grapes so, are quite so tart. Where, for example, what sort of country? Anywhere that's, just think of anywhere that's cool. Anywhere in the world that's cool. Up a mountain near the seaside. Any country in the world. Right. But on a flat plain yeah. <laughs> in the middle of a desert, super no, hot, you're going to make big, rich wines. Okay. That's why, for example, Spanish reds tend to be quite meaty and big. Mm. By contrast, Argentinian reds are very dark in colour mm-hmm. because they are made from thick-skinned varieties like Malbec. So the, the mm. skin gives the, the wine a deep colour. But they're made from quite high-altitude vineyards, so the nights are quite cool. So that's why Argentinian reds have this unusual, in general, have this unusual combination of darkness and swarthiness on the palate but actually quite cool refreshing finish to them that's and so a, yeah, it's, it's climate is... you know it's climate and microclimate in, in fact and presumably that's changing yeah changing so changing change. rapidly i Ooh. heard that champagne was in jeopardy because the temperatures are going Ooh, up i've got such a good story about <laughs> Go this on. um my great great pal stephen spurrier who's a, a lovely wine writer very eminent member of the wine business has a vineyard in uh, Dorset. Mm. And he makes a wine um, down there um, called Bride Valley. And they're a sparkling white and rosé, whatever. They're jolly nice, champagne-style sparkling wines. Mm-hmm. And I've written them up many times. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, uh, I'm doing an event um, this week at the Tate Gallery, doing a big mm-hmm. dinner, and I've chosen one of his wines to, to, to pour for a very sophisticated crowd. Great. When I could quite easily have chosen champagne, of course. Yeah, nice. Um, they're that good. Anyway... He went out to uh, Champagne, to the Côte des Blancs, to where all the Chardonnay grapes come from, where the big names hang out, where bottles are hundreds of pounds uh, a throw. And he did a, a, a tasting to write up in his article in Decanter magazine. Mm-hmm. And he said, thank you very much, everybody. And he gave them a bottle of his wine as a sort of thank you. Yeah. His wine from Dorset. <laughs> and they were, they were like, oh, yeah, here we go. Um, <laughs> and they opened the wine tasted it and this little farmer walked up to Stephen and said you've got what we lost <gasps> now Stephen thought for a second "Ooh, what does he mean I need to clarify what he means yeah. there could be a few things don't know not sure 
And what the French farmer meant was, you've got bright acidity. Mm. Something champagne's famous for. Right. But as it's getting warmer yeah. in champagne, yeah. acid levels are dropping, fruit levels are rising, the wines are becoming juicier. So they're losing that. They're and losing. And what can they do? Nothing. Not much. Well, they can do a number of things. They or can, can they adjust it in the, in the bottle or in no, the process? No, no, no. Well, that would mean adding acid. You would never do that. Right. But what you can do is you can become a smarter farmer. So you could ha- take maybe slightly higher crops. Mm-hmm. So allow each vine to produce more grapes. Therefore, each vine be slightly, each grape bunch would be slightly less ripe. Therefore, by contrast, you, okay. the balance would mean there would be more natural yeah, acid. Yeah. But I think the, the main point is that the, the sort of climate change and the, and the sort of warming that's happening is affecting wine regions enormously. Mm. Who'd have thought that the great queen of the wine world, Champagne, would be affected? Yeah. And then who'd have thought the beneficiaries of this yes, would be us lot? Yes, would be our farmers and daughters. <laughs> I love it. I, Crazy. As, as a West Country farmer myself. Yeah, yeah. I have heard, actually, that, um, and again, I guess it's the same uh, looking on a map, but if you look at the southeast coast of the UK, it's on the same Yeah, yeah, it's not far, not far. As, as, uh, I mean, I, I judge it all in, going back to my Boy Scout roots, I judge it all in it's two hours from Calais to Champagne in a car. It's not very far, is it? No. So you've you know, got it's, a similar it's two hours, two hours from here to, to Wiltshire, <laughs> sort of thing. But um, but you know, the, the climate means that not only are the sh- the sparkling wine styles doing really well here. I mentioned before about English Pinot Noir. You can actually make mm. drinkable red wines in this country for the first time ever. Great. So we're I benefiting. Be them from, out. Yeah, no, I can, don't worry. I can mm. help you there. Oh, good, good. <laughs> well, we'll 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 ask you for a list that we can post um, as notes for this podcast yeah. for people to look up. I'm really interested in labels. I'm interested that your career started looking at labels because that was similar to me. In fact, I was the founder of a an organisation called um, the Food Labelling Agenda because yeah. I wanted greater, um, comprehensive, more meaningful labelling yes, yes. on food. And I still do, and I call that a lot of weasel wording on labels. Reading wine labels, can you talk us through the basics of, of what we look for? So uh, is it APV? What, what's the, the um, alcohol? ABV, alcohol a, by a, volume. What's it so called? Alcohol by, by volume, volume yeah, ABV. Yeah. And what does that tend to be? What's the range? Well, I mean, for very light wines, you're down at sort of 9 or 10. And you so that can, would be like a Beaujolais? That, no, Beaujolais is about 12. But so you, what would you That would be like a, a very light German Riesling. Mm. Or a Hunter Valley Semillon from Australia. Okay, so that's something to look look for if you're looking. Yeah, for yeah, Be- beautifully elegant wines. Great. Um, and then you climb the sweet spots, probably around the twelve, twelve and a half mark, mm-hmm. and that's for cool climate sort of wine, the wine styles. You can get a few reds in there, Loire reds, things like that, Beaujolais. Yeah. Then you climb a little bit more to the to the main zone where thirteen and a half is kind of standard. Yeah. That would be average and and perfectly balanced. Um, then you look to hotter regions, purposefully hotter regions, mm. where you're making bigger, generally red wines. Right. Where there's a lot of sunshine and the style is a main course, meaty, kind of rich style, long-lived. I, I was given a bottle of Shiraz recently, I think, from yeah. South Africa, and it was like 14.5%. Yeah, so 14.5, yeah, that would be really there, where they hang out. Quite full. Then you go beyond that, and by the way, you can go beyond that quite a long distance. Really? And then you're getting into wines that are, and it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not an even curb. It's a it's an exponential curve in the way that it sort of affects you. Let's say mm. you can get to fifteen quite quickly with hot hot climate Shiraz, like you say. You can get to fifteen and a half without noticing, <laughs> and if you if you're really unaware and and it gets past you, then you could find yourself drinking nearly sixteen percent red wines, and that is 
blockbuster stuff. That's knockout drops. That would, I would know that. You, the next you would, day. yeah, and you wouldn't fancy yeah. it from the from no. the, just the smell of the wine. Okay. But but don't be scared. Anything under fifteen, if it's a big red wine, is good. But I like thirteen and a half. That's a, that's mm-hmm. my rule. You know, that's okay. a nice balanced shape mm-hmm. for a wine. And then what about other things that we see on the label, like sulfites? Yeah, sulfites is a is a funny one. Sulfites is almost um, like a terrifying word for people to read because they think, oh, this is dangerous. Mm. Well, I don't fancy that. That sounds odd. Mm. And sulfites are naturally produced from fermentation. So every bottle of wine has sulfites in them. Right. Um, it's a byproduct of fermentation. Mm-hmm. But sulfur itself, sulfur dioxide, SO2, is added by winemakers as a prevention against oxidation. So as a prevention against the wine turning into vinegar, which, of course, you don't want. And it's about the sensitive addition of SO2, which means that it can be beautifully integrated into the wine. You don't even notice it. Or heavy-handed additions mean asthma sufferers get a bit like their nose goes a bit wrong straight away. Yeah, it can trigger migraine. Yeah, all sorts of issues like that. You know, I I think the stats are around one one and a half percent of people out there are mm. sensitive mm-hmm. seriously sensitive to mm. sulfates and you'll spot it right away if you're a, if you're sensitive on a white wine white wines tend to have a little bit more SO2 added than reds that's interesting because you I, I mean I would automatically think that a red wine was was punchier in that way no um the reason it's very it's very sort of um simple reason is that white wines tend you want to try and capture the freshness prevent them from spoiling make them zesty and clean and refreshing and so therefore you're more defensive against them oxidising. Right. So a little bit to more, a bit more, to protect them a bit more. Mm. Red wines, as we said before, have the added benefit of the skins being involved. So you've got skin tannins, you've got other um, natural kind of preservative um, elements within the wine, which means you don't need to use quite so much um, sulphur. Mm. So um, all bottles of wine have, you know, sulphites written on the back of it. Obviously, natural wines... The, the the intention there is that you use little or no sulphur. Yeah, I know that there are some. When I was researching my feature, I came across some organisations in France, I forget the names of them, that um, have promote wines with no yeah. added sulphites yeah, yeah. and, and you're not allowed and to so they sulfites. Yeah, and those would be wines that um, would be um, often uh, a little bit cloudy in colour, mm. often a little bit sort of cidery on the nose because they mm-hmm. haven't been completely protected from the beginning. Right. Um, interesting, fascinating flavours. Not wines to age necessarily. Great foodie wines. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then what I like, and and I've in fact I've got some wines for you to taste today Marvelous. that are natural. Have you? Yeah, but yeah, are very low sulfur additions to show you that it can be done. Mm. Um, and you get the benefit of both things. So low sulfur. Yeah. Low to no, as we, as we say. Low to what? Low to no sulphur. Low to no, okay. So basically you don't add sulphur when the grapes mm. arrive at the winery. You only do it just after fermentation, just mm-hmm. to sort of, it's like a little full stop after a sentence before right. you shove it in the bottle. Yeah. Um, and then the, the natural, they're, they're hands-off winemaking, but you just, just, just protect it a tiny little bit. It's like giving, when I was a kid, like giving you 10p for a phone call. Yeah. Um, when I went off on my bicycle, and, um, <laughs> and <laughs> that was my mum going, "Here's ten p for a phone call, just in case you need it." And that and that that style of winemaking is really is really attracting. Have you got it here? Is yeah, it, is, yeah. Is, is yeah. it too early in the day? Do you I've think got to... I've got two of them. Okay, so I've great. got they're 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 a brother and sister. Um, do you want to have a go? Yeah, go on then. Why um, not? So, so what's this Cherubino? Yeah, that's that... a pretty label. I yeah, love that with all the so botanicals. You... Did you choose that for me? It's got this, flowers all over it. I've thought about this quite. <laughs> A lot, yes. and um, 
and say this is so we talked about alcohol as well this this mm. wine chimes with all of these all of these little great. rules so this is made by larry cherubino one of australia's most famous winemakers um and it comes from western australia um Ooh, and this is a dry Riesling, so mm. super dry Riesling, in fact. Yeah, it doesn't taste like a German Riesling. No, 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 not at all. There's no sugar. You'll so love the fact it's 12 nice on the back. Light. So yeah. nice and light because he doesn't need to pick it late. It's got all the energy, all the energy it needs. The name, laissez-faire, so he's put a, a French term on it, means let it, let it, let it crack on, let it be, you know, just let it go, let it <laughs> yeah. go. There you go, that's rather nice. Um, and, um, you know, he's just, a, he's just a brilliant, brilliant winemaker. And that says on it contains sulfites. Yeah, because but they, all they, wines they've, do, they've, yeah. they've added them to a with t- the tiny amounts. Mm-hmm. And what you have here is this Smooth vital food. lime juice kind of crunchy, mm. um, energetic style of Riesling. So when we taste wine, so you've, you've picked up your glass and you sort of swirl it around yep. in the glass. And hold it by the stem. Hold it first the glass by the stem, okay. Then you're not like warming up or, or, or and you can see the wine as well, obviously. Yep. So I'm swirling it Give around. it a swirl. If you can't do it in midair like you're doing, like a super pro, Liz, of course, <laughs> um, do it on the table. Okay. And just draw circles on the table. You... Yep, like that. Um, and then lift off. Then you've got to have a sniff because you've got to check the wine's in good so nick. shove your nose right into it. Yeah, get a good... Because your nose is much more sensitive than your palate is. Ooh, yeah, that is And really then you have that... What you've got there is you've got that jasmine and lime pith and, you know, mm. these really stunning things that then set your brain off. Your brain's going, whoa, it's about... To, it's coming, everybody get ready. <laughs> and then you can obviously tip it in. Mm-hmm. Um, have a have a little check. Um, it will be delicious. And what I then encourage people to do is look at the finish. So people mm. always think about the mid-palate. Mm-hmm. Mouth-watering, juicy, exactly what I wanted it to be, dry, and then think, is it still What there? are you left with it? Yeah, yeah I can still there? taste that. I mean, I've is swallowed it that, and it's, it's still thinking. with me. That finish is there. Keep thinking. More, mm-hmm. more, okay. more. And that's and that, a sign of a good wine? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what we want. So the, it's called the finish, yep. and the longer the finish, the finer the wine. Mm. It's a fact. Okay. Um, so, That's very good. so how much would that set me back? Do you think? Uh, this is sort of twenty quid. Okay. So um, it's, it's actually it's south of twenty quid. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's special. I mean, th- mm. this, yeah, this is really special. It's made in teeny tiny quantities, um, and and it's sold only in independent merchants. It's sort of right. eighteen quid, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Um, there's nice. a, there's a merchant called um, XL Wines. Um, who, is that online? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, they we'll they sell it. I'll give you the details. Yeah. But but a, a stunning one. And then do you want to taste the red from the yeah, same property? Yeah, definitely. So that's the same one. So this is a Syrah. Now, I normally wouldn't go for a Syrah yes, because I, that, know. I know that's quite heavy. Uh, uh-huh. so, okay, you're going to prove me wrong. Well, here. I'm just going to show you that Syrah can now, be... Now, these bottles are screw cap. Yes. So tell us. Yeah, we can hear. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That is... Which is so easy. I love it. But they're... they're Not they, just they, any they screw cap. This is what called is Stelvin Lux. What is a Stelvin Lux? It looks like a sexy one. There's no, there's none it, of that knurled kind of. No, no, that is a rather smooth, <laughs> deliciously embossed. It's really, really high quality. Cap. Are we moving away from corks? Then? Yeah. So why is that? Because they're nasty pieces of tree. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought a superior wine had to have a, have a bit of cork. Tree no, 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 in it. no. A great cork is a great seal for a bottle. One, mm. a great cork is one that doesn't smell or taste of anything. Right. Because you don't want it to impact on the flavour of the wine inside the bottle. But sadly, it's an inexact science. I mean, they are little lumps of tree bark, as you know. So not sustainable, presumably. Not very nice for the cork tree. No, the cork tree loves it because the cork tree um, uh, replenishes its bark every seven years. Oh, does it? So So it's it's like exfoliation for a cork tree. It's a gorgeous. It is literally exfoliation for a cork tree. And it's a brilliant thing. Cork trees are amazing. They're beautiful. But they make fairly dodgy seals for bottles in that one in ten is faulty. 
So that's hence the expression, this wine is corked. corked. Yeah. And that it's means not, it's not the, the, the oxygen off. that's got in. So it's or... a lot of different things can go wrong. So mm. oxygen ingress is a problem. Actually, a bacteria making it faulty. So making it right. smell mousy and mouldy, yeah. which is the traditional term. It's corked. Yeah. Um, all manner of other sort of mishaps. Um, so with, do you with... not get that with a screw cap? No, no, no. They're inert. Screw caps right. are completely So you know inert. that you're never going to have a bottle of cork wine. Never, ever, 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 cap. ever. And and do you know what? There's they, people say, what about the air? The air that goes through mm. a cork. Well, there's not an awful lot of air that goes through a cork into the wine. Mm. It's not an aqualung, for God's sake. And the other thing is there's an enormous amount of air underneath the cap of a screw cap because you think there's no cork filling up that space. Oh, so you've got extra gas. You've got tons of air in the bottle. And that's good? Yeah, yeah, it's great. It allows the wine to mellow over time. Mm. So um, so you age better in a screw cap? Well, you age at a more even rate, right. for sure. And current science says longer. Mm. That's and certainly my experience. And even the top wine French producers, they're, they're embracing oh, screw caps, because so, that's such a traditional thing. So they're all it? trialling it, yeah. all the big boys. Are they? Um, a lot of Australia, a lot of the New World has moved. Um, a lot of Italians are moving. I just can't imagine, you know, I mean, I'm not a big, expensive wine drinker, but if you had your bottle of, I don't know, Chateau, yeah, yeah, Mousard, whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Lafitte. Chateau Lafitte coming from a screw cap. Is no, that ever going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen because they are, at the same time as um, people are moving to screw caps. I mean, La- this wine we're going to drink. Larry does not want any one of his bottles to be off. No. Couldn't bear it. Mm. Well, all that love that goes into it, and just yeah. sending it all the way so, from New so, Zealand. And... So, 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 so that's that. Yeah. But, but the French, you know, the cork is part of it. The cork's part of the romance, part of the, mm-hmm. um, the theatre of opening a bottle. That's true. That pop. It's all gorgeous. Get... It's all gorgeous. Yeah. It's all the sommelier comes yeah. to the table. Blah blah. Presents you with the cork. It's it's what it is. And, yeah. But there are very advanced bits of work going on to try to eliminate faulty corks. Mm. And I um, I, mean, I learned of something really special last week. Can I tell you? Go on, I don't think any, I don't think anybody knows this. This is a world exclusive, folks. It really, <laughs> it really is. Go on, then. Um, so I was in Piemonte um, writing my annual report on the wine, wines called Barolo and Barbaresco, mm. two of the great, great wine styles of the world made from the Nebbiolo grape. If you haven't been to Piemonte... It is it's one on of the. My list. It is unbelievably <laughs> really, especially beautiful. this time of year in the autumn because of truffles and Truffle all of season. that. Truffle oh, season. It's it, not only is the geography mind blowing. The food is extraordinary, and the really? wines are sensational. From the from the cheapest wine up to the most expensive wine, you have such fun. Wow! Can we go? Oh, please. Um, <laughs> and you. and what what I found when I went to the smartest winery in the whole region called Giacomo Contorno. Good Lord, this is, I'm almost nervous telling you this. Um, the, the winemaker there, Roberto Contorno, is incredibly fastidious. Mm. Really, really, really extraordinary. Um, he goes to every length to make his wines as perfect as they can be. And I've awarded him more perfect scores than any other winemaker in Italy. Mm. So it works yeah. if you put the hard yards in. Yeah. And he said he has eliminated cork taint. Ooh. And I said, right, now you're going to have to tell me what that means because I just don't believe you. And he went to, to great lengths. I made about two pages of notes, which I will publish on my mm. website, mm. about how he's done it. But what he does is he buys the best grade corks you can get mm-hmm. and they cost two euros each. Just for the cork? Just for the cork. Right. Okay. 
He then has a special machine that um, weighs them to check they're the same density. Mm. And that means that you might not have problems with oxidation and stuff like that. It's a, a good little check. Mm. Then he has a laser machine. So <laughs> there's only two in the world that brand the cork with his name right. and the vintage and the wine. Now you've seen branded corks mm. in the past. They're yeah. just they just kind of letter set, kind of printed, printed on yeah. cheaply. This is the laser, mm. a very special laser. And the second after the laser is done, done its job, writing the name on and the wine name on and the vintage on the cork, mm. one of his staff, who is extraordinarily sensitive, smells each cork. <laughs> really? Okay, you have eight seconds to smell the cork before the temperature comes from goes down from 800 degrees c for the laser from the laser down to normal temperature when it's incredibly hot (laughs) you can get any volatile smells off the cork so you can tell whether it's a yes you can tell it's if it's a dodgy cork or not that's so clever it's off the charts but so labor intensive so labor intensive how much is all that going to add and at the the same time they're photographing they have a photograph um system for both ends so tiny little cameras mm. that look at each end of the cork to find out which is the most perfect end and the most perfect end with no faults, no wounds yeah. will go Goes um, wind down in first. So he says that, is that when he buys, it, it is, really? when he buys these, these corks at two euros ago and they are guaranteed, by the way, the cork supplier guarantees they're perfect in the first place. Right. He still has a five and a half percent incidence of failure but because he buys the corks unbranded the corks he can't he can't send them back so they'll just say oh they didn't come from us so he's taking a risk yeah but his point is and it's his point is very clear Mm. his wine monfortino sells for a thousand pounds a bottle no way okay a thousand pounds a bottle out of here but his top wine is a thousand (laughs) did you bring some <clears throat> I, had, I had a go. I had a go. I always have a go. I always have a taste. I spit out, of course. But um, he says a 5% problem with Monfortino, yeah. considering the number of yeah, bottles he makes, cost, oh my is soul-destroying. Yeah. And in yeah. any other business, if you had a 5% failure rate, you'd go out of business. Yeah, you, you couldn't do that. So no. the, while the rest of the wine trade bumbles along mm. with this failure rate, he That's doesn't so have interesting. it. Interesting. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So let's come back to what we've got here. So, so we've, we've, we've got some red in the glass. Now yeah. So this is so, so Larry Cherubino. Because it's come out of a screw cap. Yeah, this is laissez-faire syrup. So it's from I'm Western Australia. So we're south of Perth. Oh, we've gone up to 14% um, here. Yeah, 14% because of red wine. It smells amazing. And this it is- smells really fruity. It's so foresty, and it's yeah, almost like rain, word. rain in a forest kind of smell. And I'm getting sort of fruity blueberries. Yep, plus that summer pudding kind of um, summer pudding. Depth. Yes. Okay, let's have a sip. Mm. And now you're going to get what I call antifruit. So you're going to get Ooh, s- pepper spice. That wasn't quite what I was expecting. No, no, no. That I I didn't think I would like that, and I do. I, I think this is a gorgeous one. It's quite dry, yes. but warm with yep, it. Yep. A, a lot of Bonfire dried... notes, yeah. autumnal notes. Mm, I love so that. It's I seasonally, love it's very accurate for this time of year. But also, it's a totally balanced, refreshing wine. And mm. the refreshing nature is the acid. Natural yeah, acid. Right. Not mucked around with. Yeah. Um, and that's the clean finish that you have. Hopefully it's long. Mm. The flavour's long. Yeah, I can still but there's a clean snap. Mm. It's not cloying. No, it's not. It doesn't feel heavy. Mm. There's no alcohol burn. And how much is that going to set me back? About? Again, that's south of 20. Mm. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Very uh, nice little, little independent merchant shop. Brings Which I in. love. I mean, it's great to you know support the, the, the small guys yeah, because yeah. a lot of wine is industrially produced. Isn't it is, it? yeah, It's very quite standardised. Yeah. So these big labels, I can remember in, in you know growing up and watching all the ads for things like Matthias Rosé yep. and Raffia Bottles and the French adoring La Piat d'Or yes. and all of that. <laughs> I mean, is that is that just a different type of wine, the way it's it, produced? It is different, but there's so much attention that goes into those wines as well. Mm. So To make you, them standard. If you, but, but also to make them clean and bright and, and, mm. and rewarding. Yeah. So so there's no such thing as a, as a sort of terrible bottle of wine anymore. There That's are just good. legions of dull bottles of wine. Right. So, okay. so of the of the huge number that I taste, perhaps two or maybe two and a half percent of the wines I deem that I taste, I deem worthy of a write up, worthy of a mention in the Daily Mail and Money Week and on my website mm. out loud, yeah. you know, with you. Yeah, Two yeah. percent. That's small. That means yeah. there's a there's two percent are awesome and, and noteworthy, and ninety eight are sort of bit dull, mm. bit bit average, bit mm. every day, and that's fine. They do the job, yeah. but they don't just make me fall in love well that is i think it is that that falling in love that's why i like wine i like it because um it's very sociable yeah. i do like the fact that it has some tangible well-being benefits yes yes and and i love the artisan wine makery process it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. going to see an artisan cheesemaker or something same thing. who's yeah. you know making incredible salamis or whatever talk me through biodynamic ah. organic because this is a flag that i will obviously be <laughs> yeah, yeah. what do you think as a professional well obviously the two that we've just had are, um are both organic um they're near bio as well mm-hmm. in that in that he doesn't use biodynamic practices but he understands what they are 
And so talk us through the difference. What, what would organic so, is, so, so organic? Organic is easy. As a difference, it's, it's, it's just, just no no sprays, no yeah, pesticides. No, no man-made pesticide sprays. That, that's clear. that has to be a good thing going into yeah. the grapes. Surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, you are, if you're crushing grape skins, particularly with red wine, mm. that stay in contact with the with the juice, yep. you're going to get yep. traces of pesticides, yep. aren't you? Absolutely, one hundred percent right. And do you know what? If you're having to chuck pesticides and fertilizers on your vineyard, you probably planted your grapes in the wrong place. Right. You know. To be honest. Okay, so you're saying that the top growers don't need to use pesticides. Do you know what? There, there will be defensive mechanisms if there's a monster hailstorm or okay. if the rain doesn't stop coming down. They'll just mm. try and stop the rot. Okay. So you, you kind of mm. have to do that mm. if your back's against the wall. Mm. Um, but otherwise, there's no need whatsoever. You can just operate like a great farmer. You know? So a more expensive wine is likely to have less. Yeah, likely, use of likely. Pesticides. It's not a rule, but likely. Okay. Biodynamic is a different thing. Mm. Biodynamic is where you do the do the um, pruning or the the hoeing or actually in the in the winery the winemaking, mm. following the phases of the moon. So following the phases of the moon with the you know the fire, earth, water, you know, and, and you are only allowed to do certain things at certain times of the year, depending on the, what what the moon's telling you, what the what the calendar, the lunar calendar is telling you, and therefore you're quite restricted. You know, your your hands are tied slightly. So if, for example, and it happened um, in the 2018 harvest in Bordeaux, you know, you have really challenging conditions, you know, hail, you know, pestilence, all the plagues at, at one in one go. Oh you are stuck. You're not allowed to go out and spray. You're not really? allowed to go out and hold an umbrella over every vine. You just got to let the vines sort themselves out. But you trust that because you've trained them, because you love them and adore them, you've trained them, mm. they will intrinsically understand how to get through this challenge. Oh and that's the bio way of thinking. You're, you're, you're hoping that your vineyard, the surrounds are all working in harmony together. Yeah. And they can remember how they got through it last time. And they'll remember how to deal with it this time, that everything's living. That does sound a bit airy-fairy. Does it actually work in practice? Yep. Does it really? <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> it works in practice, but it means, sadly, and this is the, 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 the tragic, there's, there's, there's always a payoff, yeah? Mm. So you, you, you work like that. You, you do a great job, but then your harvest is cut to smithereens. Mm. You make 20% of what you were hoping to make. Mm. Or, or, or some mm. years you don't make anything. Right. So it's a real payoff. Now, of course, if your wine is quite expensive, and you can bear that cost, that'll get you yeah. through to the next year, yeah. you're doing well. If you can't, you're in trouble. Um, and my, pr my only problem with bio um, biodynamics is people that adopt these philosophies as a sort of badge of honour or as mm. a sales tactic or whatever. You know, the vineyard's not up to it. They're physically not up to it. Their brain's not in the right place. They employ these methods half-heartedly and they make a pretty crappy wine. Right. That doesn't appeal to me. No. However, if you make a great wine, you feel very confident about your property, confident about your own skills, mm. you're following the mantra religiously, you really believe in it, mm. you are likely to make staggeringly good wine. Mm. And so it's I, a, there's a bit of this and a bit of that. You've got it like yeah. everything in life. You've got to watch out. I was doing a bit of an investigation into biodynamic, and what was very interesting to me was the the ancient philosophy of of planting things like animal horns. Yeah, yeah. Under the vines. Yeah, yeah. And then seeing and, and when that you know that's been going for hundreds of years, possibly longer. Um, and again, it's all the phases of the moon, mm. and it, it's all kind of a bit kind of hocus pocus, yeah, yeah. woo woo stuff. And yet now we know that the beneficial bacteria and the bugs that yeah. live in those horns and those yeah. bones yeah. 
benefit the microbiome of the soil, which is then improving the roots of the vine. So there's a real sort of physical reason which is now being proven by modern science. The the horns and the treatments, the burying the horn, that is a little bit of voodoo for me. What's better for me, though, is that the fertiliser that you apply to your vineyard comes from your cows. Mm. You, you, You put it into a pit, you treat it, it's literally crammed with worms. Right. Worms having the Worm Olympics yeah. in there. You put that on your vineyards, yeah. your soil comes alive. Yeah. Well, now, we know the microbiome of the soil is uh, just so important. Just, it's critical. Yeah, critical. So if you bring that back to life, because a lot of soil is dead out there, yeah. if you bring that back to life, you're, you're the first stage to doing it. If you can plant that horn in the corner of your vineyard as well, and it's got the right sort of you know mm. wizardry stuffed into it, <laughs> then yeah. and that makes you feel good, carry on. But right. at the same time, it's actually the fertilizer yeah. and it's actually when you spray you spray the right treatments the right um her- the teas actually yeah they spray herbal teas. teas imagine spraying your no no with, with a teas. copper with a copper spray there's no plastic involved so you've got to use no. a copper you've got to use machine. all the right equipment oh my goodness and when you do all of that you can just imagine if you think of the vine like a human you're being pampered yeah you're, going to a you're being looked after yeah very, very lovingly, mm. and and therefore you you perform at your best ability. Mm. Can we buy reasonably priced organic and biodynamic? Are some of the big supermarkets yeah, supporting I'm it? I'm just about to blow your mind with two wines that I researched prior to coming and seeing. Go on then. Okay, right now this is a preview on my Daily Mail Christmas columns. Okay, yeah, great, so you, great. just make sure nobody hears this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nobody um, listening. No, good. Uh, Waitrose. Really? Seven ninety nine reduced to five ninety nine. Oh my goodness, I'm rushing there now. <laughs> what Until is the second of January. It is a wine called Terra de Vita Organic Pinot Grigio from mm. Sicily. Nice. So lovely white fresh fresh, fresh white crisp. crunchy crisp aromatic. Now why Sicily? Well of course Sicily is warm, mm-hmm. southern Europe. Mm. Not many problems with, you know rain at harvest and all those things that you get from slightly dodgier climates Mm. um large tracts of land Mm -hmm. relatively inexpensive workforce yeah super professionalism can you make a pinot grigio for 7.99 yes we probably can can you get it from organic vineyards yes we we certainly can we've got a lot of them Mm. down here okay can you discount it at christmas by two quid to 5.99 okay at a push (laughs) and it's a delicious wine It's, it's my sort of party Nice. wine of the year if you particularly if yeah. you're following the organic yeah. stuff great tip uh, it's vegan as well um vegan. and then okay yeah well, i'm going to talk to you about that um there is um a red this is from booths so up north booths, oh, yeah, supermarkets, booths. supermarkets yeah. brilliant quality mm. quality supermarkets mm. like massive delis effectively yeah really good um and of course they'll deliver everywhere so it doesn't matter where you live Do, um, i didn't know that can yeah, i buy yeah. my wine from yeah, booths? yeah 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 okay um domain mass barrow mm. Cabernet Franc is the grape mm-hmm. from the Gard region. So the Gard Where region is, is, it's kind of Avignon area. Oh, nice. So Just Southern Rhone. Actually, yep. stu- actually, where it is, it's stuffed in between Languedoc and Provence. Mm-hmm. It's like a little sort of stuck in the middle. Mm. Um, and, and think um, Cote de Rhone style wines in general, mm. except this is a Cabernet Franc. Cabernet Franc's the grape from the right bank of Bordeaux that makes mega names like Cheval Blanc and Chateau Ozone, you know, things that cost a fortune. Yeah. It's also the grape that hangs out in the Loire Valley in northern France, where it makes Chinon, 
and Saint-Mier Champigny and Bourgueil, Saint-Nicolas yeah. de Bourgueil. Very sophisticated wines, the sort of wines you'll find in, in upmarket Parisian brasseries. Mm -hmm. But they've taken this grape and they've planted it in the south of France, where it's a little sunnier. As I said before, a little bit of sunshine, put it in the right place, no need to muck around with it, so it's organic and vegan again. And this is a purple, violet-scented, slippery, unoaked wine that has super acid, really vivacious on the palate, and it's your all-purpose red, and it's nine quid. Wow, and, where, and that's from so Booth's. That's from Booth's, yeah, Mass Barrow. Um, so there's two wines there, both under a tenner. And in all honesty, if you had that white and that red for your Christmas entertainer, you wouldn't have to look anywhere else. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. You mentioned the word vegan yeah, there. Yeah. So talk me through vegan and vegetarian. Yeah, um, the vegan thing's um, obviously kind of in, isn't it? That. Um, but why, why? I mean, somebody listening to this is going to think, well, wine is just grapes. So what, 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 yeah. what is it with, what, the, why would it not be vegan? The, it wouldn't be vegan if you use, in the clarification process, uh, an animal product. Such um, as? Such as. So in the old days, oh, this, is, this, is, this is great. Go back in time. Um, egg whites. Really? Egg white. If you think, of, you know, when you touch an egg white, it's got that really almost frog spawny kind of weird texture mm. and it sort of sticks together, yeah? Yeah. If you want to clarify a wine, you break a whole load of eggs, keep the yolks, put the egg whites into the wine, stir it around, and then pour the wine off the top. Of course, all the egg whites fall to the bottom. The egg whites grab all of the little particles in the wine. Grab hold of it. Mm. Grab hold of them. Almost like a little um, hoover system. Yeah. They stick to the egg whites. The wine is bright and shining when it's decanted off. Mm. And then you have these egg whites you chuck in the bin. But it's so, clarified the way it's fine. But it's still, there's no egg white left. No, in no, 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 no. There's none at all. So but it's passed through it. So you've got to you've got to be honest. Used in the process. Okay. Of course, in regions where this is great, in regions where that was the classic fining agent used mm. historically, mm. you'll find they make a hell of a lot of eggy Mayonnaise. pudding. Eggy pudding. Oh, right. Okay. Yes, I was going to say because <laughs> they've got <laughs> all of these egg what yolks. What are we going to do with nine hundred yeah. egg yolks? So you have these amazing tarts and egg custards. <laughs> yeah. Is that why all you know, the egg custard yeah, yeah, tarts yeah, yeah, going course. alongside the winemakers? Of course. That's hysterical. You know, so your pasta sonata <laughs> and your eggy flans and your Spanish yeah, quiche Lorraine and then and all the tortillas. <laughs> la la la. Uh, so that's so that's eggs. So you couldn't use that. Mm. Um, they've used in the past. They've used ox blood. So blood does the same sort of thing. Really, if you pour blood into yeah, wine, yeah, and stir it up, it'll sink to the bottom quite all, quickly. All, all the bits, grabbing all the nasties with it. Mm. And and in in order to do that um, without using these agents, you would have to just cross your fingers and wait for right. effectively the slowest of all um, snow globes. You know, you, know, you shake yeah, up yeah, a snow yeah, globe and the little things settle. You would have to wait for a very long time for all the heavier elements to settle to the bottom of the tank mm. or the bottom of the barrel. And then be very careful when you were decanting it off. Well, that could take six months right. to do have the same effect. You don't have that time. You've got to stick no. it in a bottle. So, so what would you use then if you're making so, a vegan wine? So today you use um, uh, clay, bentonite. Right. So this very fine, super fine powdery yeah, clay. That's great. Bentonite almost... In make it sort of makeup yeah, powder yeah, you kind get it of in um, face packs, and that, you can also use it for colon. How would you? How would you know that? <laughs> and um, and um, <laughs> and and so these uh, products like that, which do the same exactly the same job, right. but it's a, not an animal product. Right. But of course, they tend to be you know more expensive. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's yeah. that's the difference. So that's it. and it doesn't really affect the taste. No, absolutely it has nothing to do with it. Any of these products that are used mm. are not in the wine. They're inert. You just have to declare. Mm. 
that you've used it if it's an animal product. It's Got one you. of the tick box things. Got you. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. At all. Couldn't care less. But some Either people, way. really, really important, mm-hmm. and therefore it's worth noting. Yeah. So we've covered so much about wine. It's completely fascinating. What's surprising for me now is for you as a wine taster, a wine writer, mm. to go into non-alcoholic yep. drinks. Yep. So how did Duke's cordialities come about? Um, well, I, um, about three years ago, had um, an epiphany, sort of like weird moment. Mm. Um, I was in New York um, doing high-level wine dinners and, and training and stuff and having a jolly old time. And at one of these dinners, you meet the most extraordinary people. You don't know who they are when they turn up. You know, they're private private punters. Mm. Sit next to someone and find out that she's the creative director of Vogue, um, loves wine, blah, blah, blah. We get talking about wine. We get talking about London. She lived in London. Oh, yeah, lovely, lovely lady. Um, and chit-chatting, as you do. And then I say to her, what's your favourite champagne? Mm. Because, of course she's in fashion she's going to be drinking champagne got to drink champagne all the time all the time (laughs) morning noon and night absolutely and she not surprisingly it was a stupid question really but she just said i just don't don't drink during the week i can't do it Mm. i go to five or six launches a day so even if i had just one glass at each launch i'd be sozzled i wouldn't be able to operate game over and i said well do you know what I, i i actually knew the answer because i'm the same because mm. I'm tasting wine every day. If I had a little sip, a mm. sneaky little sip at each wine tasting, yeah. I wouldn't be able to operate. So what do you do? You spit it out? I spit everything out, yeah, of course, of course. Well, um, of and course. Of course. Of course. And so I was thinking, you know, we're quite similar, even though I work in the wine business, and therefore mm. people think I'm drinking all day every day. I'm actually just tasting all day every day. And and, and like, like Sally... She drinks at the weekend, drink gorgeous stuff at the weekend. I save, mm. save myself at the weekend. You know, the odd lunch if I have to. But yeah. but really, we're drinking less than we used to. Yeah. Less and better. Less which and is better. Less and better, it's the better rule of life. Everything. Yeah. Um, and so I mentioned this to my friend, um, Jack, who's a, an ex-banker, who has a lot of experience in, in the sort of financial world. And I said, Jack, you know, what are people drinking in the city? He goes, no one's drinking in the city anymore. No, They've can't. got to stay on... On yeah. their game, top yeah. of the game all day. Yeah. No big lunches. No, that's none of this true. swanning around. Don't drink on airplanes anymore. No. You know, you've got to be at the next meeting. Life's hectic. Mm. Same time, well-being. Yes, my flag. <laughs> that's you. You've got to think about what you're sticking in your body. Yeah. So the the, the 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 less and better thing with wine is a really important mantra because if you're just drinking sort of random wine that you know just for the hell of it just for the just that one second hit of flavor yeah because cheap wine doesn't give you any more than that no. what's the point yeah or you're trying you... to escape or using it for a different reason yeah it's, it's like having a you know every time you have a glass of boring wine it's like having another mars bar yeah <laughs> it's rubbish for you so 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 don't do it so i said look to jack i said look i'm gonna come up with a philosophy and a reason and a blah blah and a mantra and a, do some studies and we're going to solve this problem of the of the non-alcoholic. What, what's non-alcoholic that actually tastes delicious? So I can drink something during the week yeah. when I'm not drinking wine that satiates my palate, my whiny palate, my whiny, mm. my whiny head, mm. my whiny nose. Mm. You know that, that craves complexity. Because you can get de-alcoholized wine, can't you? Yeah, non-alcoholic. yeah that's yeah. not very nice. No, no. The the problem with um, taking the alcohol out of an already alcoholic drink. Is, is a sort of process of mummification or process of stripping the body out of the product in that 
in that alcohol serves as, as the richness, the 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 the, the, the weight of flavour, mm. um, and and that's what alcohol is. Alcohol is a, has a has a depth, a, a, a succulence to it in a product. Mm-hmm. When you take that away, it becomes skinny, you know, wishy washy, boring. Yeah. No, it tastes um, quite acidic. I'm not. Yeah, that. and 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 you know, what's the point? Mm. Again, but but the alternatives are, you know, the dreaded fizzy drinks. Um, we can only drink so much fruit juice in any one day. You know, breakfast and doesn't so last all day. Monstrous amounts of sugar. Yeah, really, even um, juice. And then you go back to um, the the tried and tested water with a you know lime wedge in the top. Thanks yeah. a lot. Pretty boring. Yeah. Doesn't go with food. Food no. and food matching is is critical. We're all so foodie these days. We all think about yeah. food. If you are going to sit down in a restaurant at lunchtime, or perhaps in the evening if you're driving mm-hmm. or you're pregnant. Yeah. Or you're flying out the next morning, or you're yeah. religiously inclined, or yeah. you're on antibiotics. Or you're you're Every, not drinking, whatever reason. Just whatever reason, yeah. you don't care what the reason is. Yeah. Why should you sit there with a glass of Perrier with yes. your with your prawn cocktail and beef yeah. Wellington when everyone else is tacky and just going, I'm just, just, there's nothing happening here. So you've created basically, is it, am I right in saying it's a red wine and a, and a white wine kind of substitute? Um, it's a substitute for all alcohol, really. But because mm. of my wine background, I was conscious of the fact that I wanted to make two products, which I call cordialities, that resemble red and white wine when they're in your glass from mm. a colour point of view. I want you to be able to stand at a drinks party. Yeah, holding a glass of Holding a glass wine. of something well, looks, that looks, looks like, like red or white wine red white, yeah. so you're not ostracized i mean it doesn't happen no. so much these days i mean i've, I've done it in the past I've, I've used um a bit of ginger ale in a champagne glass yeah at and it looks it and looks similar it to looks, a fizz, it's fizzy yeah. it looks like a glass of champagne yeah, yeah. so 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 i think that's just a, a a side issue that i've tried to tackle such that it ticks that box as well mm. but actually it's more about palate density aromatic complexity mm. dryness my god it needs to be dry because mm. every other alternative is cloying and sweet. Like elderfl- cordial. It's sweet. It's, yeah, really and it's sweet. a goldfish drink. It just disappears. Right. You, know, you swallow it and you go, oh, that's gone. I must have another. Okay. And then when you finish that glass, you go, I don't want another glass. No. What am I going to do now? So what is it? So I love the way that you've packaged it. I'm sitting here. I mean, we'll put pictures on the website. But it's these little tiny, cute little bottles. Three centiliter bottles. And it's... Um, this is called Duke's One. Can yeah. I open this? Yeah, let's. Okay, take, what we'll do is we'll. Screw cap again. If you take the label off. And okay. If you peel off the outer label. Yeah. That tells you what it is. So it, it's basically an adult cordial. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what it says. It's an adult cordial made with, um, you know, enormous amounts of care and attention by me to try obviously. to, obviously, to try <laughs> to, um, to give you something sophisticated to drink when mm. you're not drinking alcohol. Now, I see on the ingredients you've got apple cider vinegar. That's one of my favourite ingredients. So is this going to be gut health friendly? Do you, do you know what? There's, there's, there's more than a third of apple cider vinegar in mm. my cordialities because apple cider vinegar does the job of being the, the skeleton of this, um, this, this so cordial. some ice in the glass. Just a little bit of ice in the bottom. Okay. Um, and lovely other things, peach, cucumber, plum, apple, pineapple. How long did it take you to create these oh, brews? Oh, wow. So it took a year to create number six. And okay. then it took a shorter period to create number one because I'd figured out what the technique was. But it was an unbelievably slow process. I mean, you know, is Liz, I mean, I came uh, to see you yeah, I remember two years ago days. to yeah. chat to you about, you know, what were my targets from a sort of um, health point of view, well-being, sugar levels. I wanted your guidance because you know the form. 
And um, you said to me that you've got to get those calories nice and low. You've got to get the sugar mm. levels nice and low. And I've had that at the back of my mind ever since. And yeah. we have, I hope I've more than achieved my aim because number one is 15 calories for a glass. Do, do you know I, which one? No, we'll put water in first. So water in first. You, okay. you have so, a choice. So you dilute it. Okay. Yeah, it's a cordial. It's an adult cordial. Okay. So, so what? So your base of this is is water, mm-hmm. still sparkling or tonic. Hmm. What would you like to go I'll for? I'll have some sparkling water. All right, please. so sparkling yeah. water. Got a little so a bit of fizzy. Bottle of fizzy here. Kind of Chuck that in on top of the um on top of the ice cube. Okay, and, and then, then so now you, you adjust it yourself. Right, so, so you put about two thirds of, of a water. Glass. So and then how much? Half a oh, it looks so pretty going in. Half bottle going yeah, in. Yeah, plumes when it goes nice. in. Nice, look at that. And it's that's, a lovely colour. You're in. That's it. Mm. That's your drink. Mm. Um, and I've designed it with this, oh. you know. Super sophisticated label. That is label. so good. It doesn't taste like anything else I've ever tasted. I hope so. I think... It has p- a winey... I think it's the apple cider vinegar, maybe that's giving it the sort of slightly winey note, but there's... all fruitiness, and... I can imagine that on a hot summer's day, too. Great. That's that's hopefully... Well, that's what I'm aiming for. Um, I'm also aiming for something that you could drink with, you know, really nice, plain grilled fish. I was about to say, serve that with fish... Delicious. Yeah, yeah. Um, at a lunch when you're not wanting to drink, the, the everyone pa- else is drinking their absolutely Pinot Grigio, and, and the, the, <laughs> you've got this. The instead. packaging is designed such that it can sit in a Michelin-style restaurant, mm. or or it can or it can just have a bottle in your handbag. Who cares? Yeah, it's little, it's a little so you bottle. can carry it around with you. And um, I do love sorry, it. I just had a sniff. I can't. I, can't. <laughs> got, I, I love it. Um, uh, can I try um, number six? Yes, that, uh, number six is the red. Yeah. Now, what base do you want? Um, still, I, I go for still? So I'm yeah, go for still. Yeah, go still. Try make this into, in, into a red wine. Absolutely. So, do you still use the ice cube? Well, I my these bottles um, of water are not super cold, so I just quite okay, like it to fine. be refreshing. You don't need Fair the ice enough. cube. Seriously, you don't need. So number six. What, it presumably, it's called number six because it was your sixth attempt. Is it Chanel like Chanel number five, where she? No, it's, no, it's not. I've got. A, I'm a bit of a number weirdo. Go on. Um, and I like numbers, and I like some numbers more than other numbers. Mm, okay, and number so, six is a good number. I love number six. Yeah, do you? I really do. I'm I quite very, like number five. Actually, I'm very keen. Chanel, no, I, I like five as well. Do you like five? That's yeah, a good but I, one. there are some I don't like. Which ones don't you like? I don't like. Um, I don't like four. So we won't have a Jutes called call the ice cream. We might, four. It's unlikely. Unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> it's unlikely, Liz. Uh, yeah, but um, but no, it, it is a numbered series. So I have a, I have okay. a, a, you know, got a plan. Have a, you a lot of pl- a lot of plans. <laughs> well, plans. Let's, let's um, it looks just like a glass of red wine. I mean, yeah, I'm super mm. super happy with that. Um, mm. That is very acceptable. Thank you. I could imagine my, you know, roast beef yep. and a glass of that on the table, not feeling left out, feeling quite satisfied. And I, what you said earlier about the finish, there's definitely, I can got still have length. taste Got to have length. length. Yeah. And it's got to be cleansing. Mm. Can't be cloying. Mm. And that's the, tri- the apple cider vinegar is so brilliant mm. without that ingredient i couldn't make this talk me through shrubs because is this like a shrub it's sort of similar um so shrubs, shrubs are, are things that bartenders make yeah they? they're, they're what they the shrub thing is a kind of a, a sort of an american thing that came about when um you're trying to make more sophisticated cocktails mm. and so shrubs you can you know lob anything into a demijohn shove a bit of vinegar in there and 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 ferment make it, it. Ferment it. Make it into a make it into a, a, a an interesting flavour. And then, of course, you can eyedropper it into your latest cocktail creations. Right. So there, there are you know some similarities, but actually, this is very much a non-alcoholic. 
Yes, yeah, so it's um, not fermented. No, 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 not at all. It's 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 purely macerated mm. fruit, veg, herbs, spices, flowers, etc. Mm. Um, and the other thing about I suppose about shrubs and about cocktail making is you take a base and then you add complexing agents to it. You might have ten different bottles that you've dropped into this glass with ice and a straw and yeah. garnish to make a complicated drink. These are incredibly complicated cordials in the first place. Mm. There's more than upwards of twenty ingredients in each of my cordialities. Mm. So it's pre that complexity is already in there. Right. So you yeah. don't need to add anything else. And right. hence the fact I put it into these little personal yeah. serve, bespoke I love, serve I love bottles. The bottles. That's so because, but then you can think, oh no, I like it a little bit stronger than my neighbour. Right. Or or I like to stretch it. And these yeah. I'm very, very um, keen on a pint mug with mm. ice cold water and a bottle. Really? So that's Doing super diluted. Thing. Yeah. And it's so clean and so refreshing and so uplifting. Really Something that I'd have, you know, after coming in from a from a run or, or, yeah. or, you know, sprinting back from work and feeling a bit sort of mm. tired out. Super uplifting. Mm. And the other thing is with tonic water, they transform themselves into a different being. One looks a little bit, you know, gin and tonicy. Yeah. Six looks a bit Campari, Campari and yeah, sodary. Nice. They they, they yeah. change. They almost Jekyll and Hyde into a different creature. Like a, ooh, we're gonna have a party. Let's get out. <laughs> let's get out there. But but they're non-alcoholic. Yeah, that is so great. They're definitely going to be finding their way into my Christmas parties. Do you? Lastly, do you do dry January? No. But you might now. Nope. Not with Duke's cordialities. Nope. I'll drink cordialities during the week. Yeah. Because that's why I've designed them. Yeah. And I will treat myself yeah. at the weekends. I think I might be following your <laughs> Matthew, it's been great to have you here. Really, thank you so, so much. I wish you huge success. Thank you. With all that you do. We will put all the resources and everything that we've chatted about on our website. Brilliant. So. Thank you. Sadly, that is all we have time for today. Uh, the links will be on lizardwellbeing.com if you have enjoyed our conversation. Do consider subscribing to the print magazine for more wellbeing wisdoms. As I've just said, I wrote a feature on my favourite alcohol-free drinks, including Duke's Cordialities, for our January 2020 issue. Not to be missed if you would like to know a little bit more. And the current edition, if you're listening in real time in December, features some of my favourite biodynamic wines and the natural wines that we were talking about earlier linked to greater longevity too. Now, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. This will ensure that the next podcast episode will wing its way to you without you having to remember each and every Wednesday for this next series. So until the next time we chat, go very well. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Megan Rinks. And I'm Melissa D. Montz. And like every other person with access to a microphone, we started a podcast. On Mondays, we release Don't Blame Me, which is an advice podcast where listeners call in and we share our thoughts on situations such as what to do if you're going to your boyfriend's family function and you haven't told him that you previously slept with both his twin brothers. Then on Thursdays, we release our podcast, But Am I Wrong?, where we ethically gossip about pop culture, politics, our lives, and your lives. Listeners write in and we tell them if they're wrong or right in a situation. Are you the hero or the villain? On Tuesdays and Fridays, we throw in a little something extra as well. A little something something. We strive to create a community grounded in activism, mental health, and inclusivity. Think of us as like your blunt, honest friends who give you advice that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. But we're also always rooting for your success. What we lack in credentials, we make up for in opinions. We do that in every episode too. (laughs) (laughs) We're professional unprofessional. So if you're looking for a new slate of podcasts to add to your routine, we're here for you. ACAST recommends. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>